Hey everybody, this is Melody Gigspeed with the American Foundation for the Blind and Forming Connect podcast. We are so excited to be kicking off season three in 2021. And not only in 2021, but it's also our centennial year. And we are turning 100 on September the 23rd, and it's super exciting. And with that, I have a very fun guest with us today. I have with us Mr. Carl Augusto, who is the immediate past president and CEO of the American Foundation for the Blind. And he's been with us a quarter of our century. Hi, Carl. Hi, Melody. It's great to be with you. I am so excited you're here today, Carl, because you are so much fun to talk to. And I know a lot of people are going to be super excited to hear from you. You know, we've had a lot of fun conversations lately about the centennial. So what what can you first of all, can you tell us, how are you celebrating 100 years of AFB, like, this is exciting. Yeah, this is a, a great milestone for the organization, and uh, I've been sort of a part of it for 25 years, but actually, Melly, my connection with AFB goes many, many years beforehand, because I've used AFB's services and programs as a blind person, and also as a worker in the blindness field. I can't tell you how many times I've called AFB and gotten some resources from AFB to do a better job um, as an administrator and do a better job uh, also as a blind person to be um, to be educated about all the resources that AFB has available for blind people so I feel like I've been a part of AFB for probably 50 years maybe 55 (laughs) years since I've been retired for five years so it's uh, it's always great to reconnect with my friends at AFB. Oh, well, we're so glad that, that you're with us because you definitely make it fun for sure. And uh, I was picking your brain about things. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> so, Carl, you know, we had this big discussion. Tell us about, you know, career and we're really boosting about workforce development this year and celebrating that in our centennial. Um, can you kind of tell me, you know, a lot of us think, of, you know, with the 70% unemployment rate among the blind population and how that is really effective and, and, and really disconcerting, you know, a lot of people want to figure out, oh, you know, our career path. Can you walk us through your career path? Like, what was it like, you know, thinking, I want to be a CEO? Well, you know, I um, was uh, pursuing a degree in psychology and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was a client of the Connecticut Rehabilitation Agency. I received very little counseling. Um, My rehab counselor was a dud, frankly. And uh, what I decided to do was to take advantage of an opportunity. I learned about stipends available for graduate degrees in rehabilitation counseling. So I said, oh, good, I'm going to jump for that because I'm going to be a better counselor than the guy who's trying to uh, provide counseling for me, for me. And of course, he did not provide very much counseling. I, you know, if I didn't go to graduate school, I don't have no idea what I would be doing um, with a degree in psychology. But the thing of it is, Melanie, confession here, when I graduated with a uh, master's degree, the last group of people I wanted to work with was blind people. Now, why? Well, because I was still having difficulty adjusting emotionally to my decreasing vision. I had normal vision when I was eight, started losing vision at that time. So I still had a substantial vision in my early 20s. 
but um, I didn't like it. Uh, and I was not adjusting well emotionally to the loss of vision. So I said, gee, the last thing I want to do is work with blind people. But the problem is I applied for jobs working with uh, other disabled uh, people with other disabilities. I couldn't get a job. Um, I felt discrimination. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not, but it seemed like I was well qualified. I had the degree in rehabilitation counseling, but I couldn't find a job. So then I finally, as a last resort, applied for a job working with blind people. And my 45-year career, um, I never left. Uh, and enjoyed it thoroughly working with blind people along the way. So you asked about my career trajectory. I thought I was going to be a, a counselor. Uh, you know, step in, Melody, if you want to ask questions, because I can keep on going. You know No, that. I love this. Are you kidding okay. me? I mean, I have 100 questions already, but no, keep going. <laughs> okay. So um, anyway, I thought I could be a counselor for the rest of my career. Uh, but um, I didn't do well as a counselor in one of the most important jobs I had as a counselor, and that is placing people in jobs. You know, I didn't know very much about different vocations. Um, I think I was an okay counselor, but that was a very important job working for a state agency. I was working for the New York Commission for the Blind and Visually Impaired. And I really didn't do such a good job in placing clients. Um, I was recruited to work at a national organization that accredited agencies and schools for the blind and got involved in administration. I worked there for 10 years mm -hmm. and I... Um, evaluated, uh, helped on a team to evaluate agencies and schools, their management and their programs. And I learned a lot about leadership. I learned a lot about top level management. And I was also um, uh, promoted to be the number two in that agency. And, but I still didn't think, you know, I don't want to be a CEO. Um, right. I'll be a number two person for, you know, for the the rest of my career and that's fine but um i was recruited again um by the cincinnati association for the blind and i applied for their job as executive director and i got it and it was the easiest transition melody i've ever had in a job um, nice my predecessor had kept the place in great condition so it was an easy transition so i spent uh, six years there and then um my dream job, uh, CEO of the American Foundation for the Blind. I knew I'd apply for the job when my predecessor, uh, Bill Gallagher, was retiring. And I had to pinch myself, Melanie, because <laughs> uh, for the first time I thought, yeah, maybe I could become a CEO. Um, after my six-year experience as a CEO in Cincinnati, I felt much more confident. And then I came to AFB in my dream job. So that's it. Goodbye. Kind of no, we're not done. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I no, thank you for walking us through that. I want to go back though, and I'm sitting here very excited. I did not know this other word, how you got here. So this is fun. But can we go back to the I'm not not adjusting to to blindness very well. Yes. Because this is also something I really struggled with myself, and I hear it too from people that have. You know, this is one of the things in our, you know, is is dealing with, you know, aging community. And to me, that means not just, it, it means all of us, we're always aging, right? So 
really getting into, you know, going through that transition. And, and as a person who is, who is blind and who's going through that emotional state right now, what kind of advice would you give them to kind of, to move into a place of, I don't want to say acceptance, but in a place of, you know, this is where you are. I mean, obviously you've had a very successful life um, and a very happy one because you're so fun. But I think a lot of us um, have, have struggled with that. Yeah. You know, my struggle was uh, in the late teens and early 20s. And, you know, peers are very important during that time. And I couldn't play basketball anymore with my peers. I couldn't go bowling with them. I didn't want to go skiing. I felt different and to be... Uh, different was to be rejected. It does take time. And the advice I give for people who are uh, undergoing a, a loss of vision is, is take one step at a time. Um, you know, it's funny, I learned how to use a cane. The last thing I wanted to do when somebody says, you've got to learn how to use a cane. I says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. That's the, that's the ultimate symbol of blindness. And I'm not going to be blind. Uh, of course, I was um, years later, but it, it took time for me to develop those that that um, emotional adjustment to using a cane. Uh, I almost got hit by a car. That's what did it. Then mm -hmm. I learned how to uh, learn Braille before I needed it. So that also took time. <clears throat> so I think time is is a is a healer. Um, and to be honest with yourself. Um, you know, uh, becoming visually impaired um, at, at a slow pace is good in a functional way, but it may not be good in an emotional way. Give yourself time, relate to other people, um, find some good role models, um, and, uh, and, and, and continue to communicate to yourself and to your um, friends and relatives and, and have them help you get through this. Uh, and that's what happened to me. Uh, it was my friends, it was my family, uh, it was meeting the, the right person who I eventually married. So it, a lot of that was, you know, just taking my time and going through the process. I think that's so important. I think we try to rush through it or, or don't recognize it's there and, and that's gonna come back and bite you. So thank you so much. For sharing that um it's definitely have it you know having that healing time is, is definitely needed and to be honest with yourself you know i uh um moving into that with listening to your your journey of okay i'll be a counselor and and, and moving into your your job i love <laughs> the story we were talking um i guess last week about you know, hey, so with your job as a CEO or anything that you you're traveling a ton, right? So can you talk, can you share with our lovely audience here, um, you know, when you'd be on the plane and you'd sit beside somebody and of course you're getting your chatter in and saying hi, hi, and how are you? What do you do? And have your normal. I, can we talk about that when you, you're, yeah. oh, you work at a nonprofit? First of all, you know, people, I did extensive travel. So I was always sitting next to somebody who didn't know me. Um, and sometimes, you know, people that sit next to each other do their own thing. Uh, I always valued when someone would feel comfortable enough to say, you know, how did you come up, how did you become blind? 
um, and to have that discussion about blindness. I, I think it's great that people are um, interested in learning about that because I feel I can educate them about the capabilities of blind people, the nature of blindness, the challenges that we face. It's always a good thing to interact with the public. Um, so then the topic comes to what do you do for a living? And of course, I, I said, I, you know, I, I work as a nonprofit administrator, um, but I did extensive traveling. It was as uh, either with the accrediting agency or as the CEO with those two organizations. So, you know, I said, I'm, I'm an administrator. And they say, okay, well, what do you, what kind of organization? And I say, oh, a nonprofit organization, an agency for the blind. And a couple of times they said, oh, that makes sense. Most of the times they didn't say that, but it's, it's funny, Melody. You know, if I had been a CEO of any other organization, I would have felt a little more comfortable in saying, yes, I'm a CEO of a organization serving people with develop, developmental disabilities. Somehow it was always like, oh, of course. Yeah. I is working with the blind because he's blind. Oh, that's what, isn't that nice? Yeah. So it, it, it was that kind of knee-jerk reaction that I had. This is my problem, not theirs, because most people didn't say what I just said. But it's, it's, it's something I had to get used to and sort of say, hey, the most important thing is that, you know, I am an administrator and I'm enjoying being an administrator. And yes, it's an agency for the blind, but um, that's okay too. Yes, I, you know, I, I get that myself, like you're talking, it's like, yes, I'm in development. Oh, wow, you're in development. Really? What do you do? What organization? The American Foundation for Blind. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. So, because, you know, how, you know, and then it, I even going deeper into that is, <clears throat> oh, well, that's because they, you know, have the technology for you and get that. And then, then I, I, and like you really finding that to be a, a source to educate, to say, well, do you use Outlook? Do you use Microsoft? Do you use this? Well, so do I, you know, and just do it differently. Um, <clears throat> so I really thank you for that. You know, I sometimes feel like that kind of leads into, for me, is conversations of, you know, people that are blind or vision impaired being kind of siloed and feeling like they can't do any other job besides work in the blindness field at any sort. What would you say to that? Well, you know, as um, uh, AFB for years um, had this uh, program called Career Connect, and it's a listing of, um, of blind people who are working in different jobs using different types of technology. And I've always been blown away by the jobs that blind people have. I shouldn't be blown away, right? But right. I have been blown away to see what jobs blind people do. I remember meeting a, a, a mother of a uh, young blind guy who um, approached me, as I, I remember vividly, it was in Tennessee, it was a school for the blind there. He had graduated from school for the blind and he wanted to be an electrical engineer. And she said, you know, how do I tell him that he can't be an electrical engineer? And I had just looked at Career Connect and found a totally blind electrical engineer. And I said, don't, don't say that to them because there are blind electrical engineers. There are blind people doing just about anything. And the way I say it, Melody, is with a little bit of ingenuity and a, and a little bit or maybe a little more than a little technology. 
blind people can do virtually everything, virtually mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, we're not we're not pilots of airplanes yet. That may happen someday. No, we can't drive Uber cars, but maybe that'll happen someday. But it's amazing what blind people can do. And I always tell parents, don't don't dampen their dreams. Let them um, try to pursue a career that you think may not be right for him or her. They'll adjust eventually. Um, uh, they'll find their way. But but don't keep on telling your blind child. He or she can't do something. That's what teachers have done with blind kids for decades and centuries. Um, we have to encourage our parents and our teachers to encourage their students to, to pursue their dreams. No, I agree with you. And it sounds like, too, and I even had this experience myself at losing my eyesight in my 20s. Um, is, you know, you do, like you were saying, have vocational. What inspired you to be a counselor was that you didn't feel like you were getting the services that you wanted. So it even happens later in life as well. Yeah, well, later in life, it's even worse. I mean, you know, becoming visually impaired or any disabling condition later in life, later in life is a lot tougher for, for a senior to adjust than it is for, you know, for a teenager to adjust. Um, so, yeah, it, it becomes even um, worse for uh, older people. Um, experiencing any kind of disability for the first time. Yes, it's, it is, but I, uh, I really appreciate this conversation today because I think it's very enlightening to know that, you know, at the end of the day, I think, I know for me, as I'll, I'll look at, you know, I, even as you're walking through your career and, and 25 years at AFE, you know, working and, and contributing, but then also using the services, it, you can sometimes think, oh, well, there is, there's no way I'm going to be able to get to that. Or, you know, for me, it, like you definitely see that. I think that's something we also kind of struggle with is either you're doing nothing or you're in this major leadership position and I don't know how I'm supposed to get there. Um, what would you say to someone kind of thinking that? Because that's another thing I see a lot in our community. It's either all or nothing, it seems. Say that again, nobody. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Sure. So like when you're working, you know, moving forward and you're trying to figure out, you know, what I want to do with my life, you know, as a person who's blind or vision impaired. And I think that a lot of struggles that I see um, for individuals is, well, you know, I'd really love to be, you know, a leader or I'd really love to be this, but I just don't see how I'm going to have that upward mobility or I just don't see how anyone would, would hire me. What kind of like, what would you tell them? is the best advice to advocate for what it is they really want to do. Yeah, I, I think relationships are very, very important. I mean, you know, when you're working, you have a boss and, and that is the number one reason why people stay at a job or leave a job because of their boss. But if you have a, if you have a, a, a boss who is um, providing you with a good experience then talk to the boss talk about the opportunities that are available uh, within the organization. Um, relate well to your peers, relate well to management. Um, be a good listener. Uh, it's always a very important thing and try to uh, learn from the experiences you have. Uh, I think there are many opportunities for people who are visually impaired. And guess what? Your primary interest may not be connected to your 
ultimate job. Um, sometimes people find jobs along the way. As I said, I, I thought I was going to be a counselor for the rest of my life. And then I got into administration. I said, Ooh, I like this stuff. <laughs> I like this administration stuff. So yeah, continue to communicate with um, people within your organizations and look around for other opportunities um, outside of your organization, because there are opportunities out there. And, and as years go by, uh, although we still have a lot of discrimination. I think more and more companies, more and more organizations are looking to hire people with disabilities. Uh, it's very, very slow moving, but I think that's happening. So you might find your best opportunity working somewhere else. I love it. Well, I this is going by super fast, and I know we've got some questions here. And I just want to say thank you again so much for spending time with us today. I'm going to bring our um, my colleague and partner in crime at Informing Connect, our um, manager of public relations, John Mackin. Hi, John. Hi, Melody. Hi, Carl. Hi, John. I've worked with John for, what, about five years? Uh, it, was, it was actually three. Uh, I, I had the pleasure of working under Carl's leadership from uh, 2011 to 2014. And, and then he came back after I left. Yeah, that's a signal there, John. I got, I've got to have to adjust to that. But, uh, oh, pack your bags. We're going on a guilt trip. <laughs> pack your bags. We're going on a guilt trip. Nice, John. I love it. Well, now we now we get to do this, and uh, and and you are right, Melody. Um, we we do have a couple of questions, and you know this this is a very fitting question because um you know I'm I'm sure uh, many AFB staff, uh, past and present, are thinking it, but. I wanted to ask you about your retirement. Um, you know, you retired in, I believe, 2016, and and I can't believe it, but this is five years later. Uh, what have you been doing? What is uh, what does Carl Augusto do today? First of all, it's it's very funny. About three years before my retirement, I realized. Well, first of all, I never wanted to retire. Just like I never wanted to work with blind people. I never <laughs> wanted to be a CEO, right? Right. Okay. So I never wanted to retire. Um, but three years before I retired, I realized that my 70th birthday was one month after my 25th anniversary. And I said to myself, maybe the good Lord is trying to tell me something. Maybe, maybe this would probably be a good time in 2016, in the spring, when I had turned 70, 70 and I've uh, been in 25 years, and then I'll retire. So that was the plan. And my last week at work, one of my fellow employees approached me and said, Carl, are you looking forward to retirement with a big smile on her face? And I looked at her and I said, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not dreading it. It's just going to happen. And we'll find out together how I'm able to, to go through this period in my life. Now, I think it was a couple of months after I retired, I suddenly realized this retirement gig is a lot of fun. My goodness, this has been great. So I have I have loved retirement. Um, I do a lot of travel. I still do a lot of traveling. People say you did a lot of traveling on your job. You would think that you would want to do it when you're retired. Oh yes, I want to travel throughout the world. My wife said said uh, Carl. There, um, she tells her friends there are two thousand Caribbean islands. And Carl wants to go to every single one of them before he dies. Um, so yeah, I do want to retire. I do want to travel a lot. I have traveled a lot. Um, I have a lot of activities. Um, I started playing guitar again, which I did 
for many years when I was young. Um, I started writing some of my memoirs. God knows what that might end up being, um, but I've done a lot of work uh, in doing that. And I, you know, love sports and music and uh, listen to college basketball, baseball, football, listen to music. So, you know, Melody and John, it's, it's a funny thing. I, I never have a dull moment or a bored moment. If I do, I've got a reading list as long as the Mississippi River. So I'm still, I just go down and, and, and read um, books. So yeah, uh, I've, uh, I've also gotten involved in an organization on the board uh, Visual Loss Alliance in New Jersey, and I'm really enjoying that experience. Um, and now I'm the chair of the board, so um, I have a new experience in, in being on the board and chairing the board. So that's been a lot of fun. That's a perfect transition, too. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> One thing I recall was you had a uh, our, our current uh, chief communications officer shared with me one time, Adriana, um, you had a list of top bands from the 60s. And it was a it was about a page long. It was a very long list. Um, but not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you right now, who are your top three bands from the 1960s? All right. So so I have about 20 years ago, I started developing a list, a list of my top 100 bands, my top 100 female artists, my top 100 male artists, and my top 100 vocal groups. So it's been, you know, anywhere from um, Frank Sinatra to Stevie Wonder, uh, you know, and um, Adam Levine of Maroon 5, you know, that, that kind of thing. So it's, it, it spans uh, decades. Um, so uh, my top three uh, bands, number one is Cream, some people will not remember Cream. That was Eric Clapton's band. Um, well, with Jack Bruce and uh, Ginger Baker. Uh, number two are the Beatles. I had to put them up there because I love the Beatles. And number three is the Moody Blues. Now, all of those are back in the 60s, but I, I do have in my top 100 um, Maroon 5, and I'm trying to think of other um, modern bands, but I, I, I do revise the list every year and I actually publish it on my Facebook page. So yeah, that's, um, I'm, I'm obsessed with music. And although probably my um, biggest era would be the late 60s and early 70s, I actually departed from all of my friends, John, because I like the disco era. And they said, Carl, you like <laughs> disco? What the hell happened to you? You must have really gotten a stroke back then. But yeah, I, I, I still like pop music today. Um, you know, uh, Dua Lipa and Ariana Grande are two of my favorite female singers. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to go check out your Facebook page and make up my own music list, man. I like it. <laughs> my playlist. When we recap this episode later, let's let's include uh, Carl's Facebook so people can yes. list of music. <laughs> the Carl playlist. I love it. I also am a big fan of Maroon 5 myself. <laughs> Do you have any more... Oh, go ahead, Jen. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, see if we have any more questions. So I have one question before we have to say 
our goodbyes for now. Well, let's stick to hobbies for fun. Uh, you also love baseball, I, I believe you mentioned, right? Yes. Do you have a favorite team? Uh, yes, uh, the Yankees. Um, but the six years I lived in Cincinnati, I became a fan of the Cincinnati Reds. So I followed them. And, and the beauty of that, John, is that now that there is an app and very small annual fee, you can listen to any broadcast of any major league game um, through this subscription. So I love listening to baseball games, uh, whether it be the Yankees or some other team. Um, and it's fun to listen to different announcers and, um, and, and the play-by-play. Obviously, as a blind person, I do not watch sports on TV if I can help it because there's not very good description on TV because people can see what's going on. And these broadcasters don't have to tell you what's going on. But in radio, we <laughs> you have to be informed about what's going on. And I, I love to listen to uh, sports games on radio. Great. Uh, Melody, any, any closing questions or thoughts from you? No, I think we're good. Carl, thank you so much for spending time with us. This has just been great. And I've just always enjoy and constantly am smiling when I get to talk to you. So thank you so much for this. My it's pleasure. been a blast. My pleasure. It's great to be with all of you. Yes, this oh, was fantastic, and we would uh, we we'd love to have you back on sometime down the road if you're amenable. Very good, thanks. Yes, we'll have to get some catch up for sure. Um, you guys, thank you so much for coming back with us on season three. If you want to learn about more about the American Foundation for the Blind and our programs, please visit us at www. A is an apple, B is in boy. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back that up. <laughs> I can't even talk. A, F is in Frank, B is in boy.org. Thank you so much. You guys, both of you have a great rest of your day.